Welcome to the Dream Job System, the only podcast that provides proven tangible strategies to help you land a job you love without traditional experience and without applying online. Get ready to level up your job search with your host, Austin Belsack. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another Cultivated Culture Success Story. Today, we have Christina Somerville with us. And Christina, I'm so happy to be having this conversation with you. You know, we were talking all about it kind of before we press the record button here. But you have been on this amazing but very intense uh, roller coaster ride of, of a job search. And, you know, here we are today. The reason we're having this conversation is because you did recently land that product commercialization manager role at Co-op Solutions. And the reason that came to fruition was because of all the things we're going to talk about, your persistence, your ability to reset and take a step back when the job search wasn't going your way to, you know, invest in these these systems and figure out what was working for you. And then eventually to negotiate, right, to, to go through all of that, to get to the finish line and to say, you know what, I, I'm actually worth more than this. And all of that, you know, not only culminates in this dream job, but also in in a, a 25% raise in, in your total compensation as well. So I am super excited to have you on here. And just to kind of welcome you in, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about, you know, yourself, uh, maybe just a, a quick little intro outside of what I just shared. Sure. And then we'll jump into where this whole thing started. Sure. Well, thank you, Austin. Um, I, I'm equally as excited to be here as well, because it's, yes, it's been a crazy journey, but it ended up being successful in the end. So um, a little bit about myself is I started my career way back in the day in the consumer packaged goods industry. And I was in account management and I called on large retail accounts. And so that was great. It was um, a, a great career move. But um, and so things that I would sell like so like shampoo or peanut butter and to like Kroger, for instance. And Believe it or not, there's a it's it, you can make a lot of money in that business. But <laughs> for my personality, I think after a while, I was like, you know, I don't think I could do this for the rest of my career. And I'm kind of this personality where I just I need to always be learning something new or whatever. So I um, made a pivot to technology, and I know a lot about cultivated culture is about pivoting into new careers. So I kind of did a little bit of that early on and kind of understood some of the challenges of that. But I pivoted into technology, started off in um, mostly traditional sales. And sales in the tech industry is, is like a lot different, a lot more challenging. I kind of had to start at the bottom and work my way up. But all the while that I was working on in the sales capacity, I would find these kind of look around and see there's some opportunity to improve this process or something's not right here. Let me... And so I would raise my hand and volunteer. And a lot of them, most of them were very sales oriented. So like anything that was sales impacting, anything that was going to impact the customer. And so I got myself kind of like weasel myself into these projects and I would, you know, perform and do well. And I then kind of started doing that slow pivot into the project management space I then, you know, I kind of did a little stint of entrepreneurship that that didn't pan out, which is fine. I think the pandemic helped curtail that. <laughs> but I took a little bit of time off. But my um, husband, who's a developer, had said, have you ever thought about project management? And I guess I had always done the function, but I never knew that there was like this official title to it. Mm -hmm. And so I said, oh, well, uh, I, I don't know. And so I kind of looked into it. And then I, while I had some time off, I like did the... Um, Google career certificate had just come out in project management. I did that. I did a Coursera. I know you're a big advocate of like, you know, get the education. Yeah, One yeah. to learn, like, do you want to do this? But then also get the kind of credibility that you have had the exposure to this stuff. So I did that. And then around 21, you know, when everybody's hiring up in tech, I kind of went with that win windfall. So I'm kind of happy about that. And I landed a, a tech uh, implementation project manager position at a tech company. So yeah, and I was like, kind of like, I'm legit, I'm legit here. Like I am here. <laughs> so anyway, that's how I got to my last position. And I could keep going with where that further went if you want me to. Well, I'd love I mean, your background is is so interesting, because you've made all these these pivots and these changes. And I think to do that, you do have to bet on yourself, you have to believe in yourself, you have to have a certain mindset, which is, you know, th the crux, I think, of where our conversation is going to go. But then, uh, obviously, something, something, something happened, right? Something big happened that, uh, almost I, I I feel like took that away and kind of put you in a totally different place mentally with the job search. And mm -hmm. then we sort of had to, to and by we, I mean, really mean you had to kind of go back through the steps to regain that confidence and to, to put your mindset back in the right place. So 
if you're up for it, I'd love for you to just share the story of, of sort of how you ended up in the job search initially yeah. before we we connected and everything. You know, what was the situation that kind of led to you getting back in, on the hunt? Sure, sure. So so I'm I'm working at this technology company. I really enjoyed it, really enjoyed it. Um, I felt very much a confirmation like, OK, I'm in the right spot, like I'm in the right lane. And then so right now, what it is, October 2023. Mm-hmm. So that was January 2023, first quarter. And if everybody watching remembers or will remember, that was the carnage in tech, right? Everybody got laid off, including me. So um, myself and like all of my PM colleagues were like, oh, they actually eliminated the entire the PMO, which is really kind of shocking. So I was like, okay, well, that's not great. But I've been here before. I've, I've been laid off before. And, and I know that life goes on you will eventually get back on the horse and everything will be fine, but it's still jarring. And so that was in January and I had made this decision. Okay. Like I've been in PM enough, not like officially with roles, but I've done so many projects. I thought, you know what, I'm going to take this break and I'm going to use it to my advantage. And I made the decision to study for and sit for my PMP, which is Mm -hmm. the project management professional. It's a pretty ubiquitous credential, but it's very difficult. So I think I think only 60%, 50 or 60% of people who, who take it pass it the first time. So you, I, I was like, okay, I don't, I'm not working. I'm going to head down, figure this out and, and study for it. And so I did that and I passed it and I was really relieved to get that over and done with. And so that kind of brought me to about May. And then I was like, okay, well now I'm, I'm going to, I'm ready to, to get back into the job search. And it was, Wow. Wow. <laughs> it was quite a, an environment. I think this is just me speaking. I, I'm not an economist or anything, but I think, you know, all the layoffs happened first quarter and then all the companies just got spooked. And either if they laid people off, they did, but they just everything ground to a halt. And it was like, mm-hmm. we're just, we're going to just hold tight and nothing's really going to happen. And so I kind of found myself in that environment. And so um, that's how we come to meet, right? So I come and reach out to you because I, I've been down this road before. I had to go get another job, but and I've had a long career, right? And I something's different now. Something's different. It's much more competitive. The market is just really clamped down, and I knew that I needed more guidance. The thing that cultivated culture I was attracted to is having been in a sales background. I understand the value wholeheartedly of prospecting networking into a company, build these relationships because that's how everything really, that's the kind of the currency of how this all works. Mm -hmm. And I had done it previously myself, but I was just winging it. Right. And I love that you had structure to it and you had a plan and scripting and everything was very prescriptive. And I was like, yes, this is what I want. So I, I was a believer. I was a believer in the concept. And, but what sold me was really like, everything is just laid out so nicely. And I in, probably said that you've had this experience too. You bought into something and then you get on the inside and you're like, there's nothing here. Or they just they just sold me smoke and mirrors. And I did not find that at all. I found that the order and again, the prescription and how everything's laid out was what it was. It, w- it was as you promised. I guess that's my point is. Um, so there wasn't any moment of like, uh, I think I got bait and switch here. No, from from beginning to end, I was very pleased with what you provided me. Well, I, I really appreciate the kind words. Uh, that sure. that means a lot, and that's something that I. That's why we built the business because when I was a job seeker, I felt like it was so unstructured, and there's so mm-hmm. much conflicting advice, and everybody's telling you that this is the right way to do things and not that. But then you know everything is right and wrong at the same time, and it's just overwhelming. So I'm I'm so glad to hear that the 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 vision that we had for the program is is sort of was landed and you know resonated with you. Yes. So I appreciate you saying all that. Sure. We we hear a ton from people, especially over the past year, saying the same thing you did, where you know they've job searched before, they've been laid off before, they've done this before, and it, it was not even close to the experience that they had during this time. And I think that that kind of is a good segue into sort of what happened when you got inside, because obviously we have the structure, we have the program, that's all well and good, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's all green lights from here to Mm -hmm, the job mm -hmm. offer, right? There are inevitably, there are still challenges, there's still bottlenecks. And of course, we're here to help you and everybody work through them, but it's not just enough for us to say, here's the, the, the strategy or here's what we're testing, right? Because 
you actually have to go out there and you have to implement it. And a lot of times when we're going through a new system or we're going through a, a, a process as grueling as the job search, we're going to do a bunch of stuff that doesn't work or we're going to put in a ton of effort where we we sort of you know feel, hey, I've put so much effort into this, it, it should work out. And the job search can be ruthless in, in the sense that mm-hmm. sometimes you do that and it doesn't work out and you still have to keep showing up. And so I'd love for you to take us through maybe the first phase of your journey there where you came in and I know your one of your big priorities was, you know, working remotely, right? As mm-hmm. many people's is right now with, <laughs> with, you know, the situation and companies pushing people back to the office. That was sort of a non-starter for you. And you had a couple of other criteria that you were really focused in on, which is amazing. But we we start going down the path. And then I remember getting an email from you saying, I'm just, I'm not sure about this path. Like, I don't know if mm-hmm. I need to reset or if I need to change something, but I'm I'm sort of feeling some resistance here. So can you tell me about that first yes. kind of slice of the program between starting and when you you sent that email? Like what what, what Yes. Yes, that's exactly right. So I again I was like gung-ho. I'm like, I'm ready to do this, I'm ready to prospect, or you know, I don't want to use that word, but like nego- <laughs> um again, network into these companies. And so I had identified one, I think it's probably circulating circulating around LinkedIn somewhere, this big massive list of companies that work remote. And I was like, I got in on that list. And then a subset of that list was a um, companies that have what they call work from anywhere, truly anywhere. And so those kinds of companies support what they call asynchronous work. So, you know, somebody in London is working on their stuff and somebody in, in California is working on their stuff and they don't necessarily meet all the time. And so it really facilitates like global work sourcing, employee sourcing. And I was like, that sounds nice. That sounds really nice because it's one of those things where it's like, you don't want to be tethered to your, your desk. I'm still going to do a good job and I don't need to be, you know, in this particular location and I don't need to be sitting in meetings and all the rest. So I went and I was like, I want to get into one of these companies. And again, that's where cultivated culture, like I have a specific list of companies I want to get into. And so I, I did all the stuff. I did the research, I did the outreach. And what I found was, these companies, mostly the profile is that they were small startups and with small startups, they're looking for like three main functions, a dev, a salesperson, and probably a product manager, product Mm -hmm. manager. Mm -hmm. There's not a project manager, I'm sorry, product, product manager. There's not a project manager in sight. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to happen. And like trying to say, oh, but you need a project manager. It's like, look, that's too big of an ask. so I think, and I even for like a minute, I thought about, well, maybe project product management because uh, I have an MBA. And then I kind of looked into it and I was like, I don't, I don't think that's me. Like right now, it's just not me, but I'm, I'm fascinated by it, but I'm just like not ready to be in that room. So I, that's when I sent the email, like I'm back to square one and my unemployment's going to run out <laughs> one of these days. So I think it would happen is again, you know, the, at the intersection of that news plus this market seeming to be deteriorating. I was like, okay, I just need to network and I need to get into my, again, it was like a non-negotiable. I want to work remote role, but I just need to network. And so I kind of like, it wasn't not in a panic, but I was like, okay, I'm not going to, I don't have my dream job or my dream company anymore. Like, I'm not worried about that. I, I, I believe what you say about solve for lifestyle. I believe that all day long, mm-hmm. solve for le- lifestyle. And there are companies out there I don't even know about. And and I could probably solve for lifestyle. And for what I am about to start next week, I believe I solved for what I want. But it was about like, okay, I'm just going to kind of double down on the whole networking and use so many of your tools and resources in that effort, you know, in that effort. And so we can talk a lot about my networking <laughs> efforts, but that's kind of how I got into the program I, I say that my job search has been very agile, mm. incredibly agile. And it's a matter of like, okay, you're going down this path. You think this is your path. You get new information and you have to be wise enough to know when to pivot. And so I think I did that. I had a moment where I was like, you know, maybe I could do product management. And I realized, I was like, this isn't me. This isn't me. And so I pivoted again and said, okay, how do I change this up? I have to keep going, but I need to pivot. And how do I do that? Yeah, I, I love it. And that's kind of what I want to talk about. I, I want to kind of cover two things that I think are important in that shift. And the first is sort of the mental aspect. And the second is the, I guess we could call it the physical, but the actual like implementation side of things. Sure. 
And so on the on the mental side of things, I mean, you you come into, you know, th- this search, you have your target companies, and then you're you're putting in the work, you're doing all the stuff and you're just getting more and more information that's that's sort of telling you that this idea that you had in your head may not be feasible. And so obviously it's it's that's hard. That's not a, not an easy mm-hmm. thing to to keep learning and then, you know, cementing as you talk to more and more people. And so I'm curious to to know how you decided that you would make the shift but but more importantly how you got the motivation to kind of get back into the game because it could be mm-hmm. so easy at that point to say you know what all this stuff the work from anywhere the you know the continuing the career path that I've built uh, this just isn't worth it because my employment is or unemployment is running out because this has been so exhausting so let me just go settle for something anything get in the door and just go from there and so and not saying that didn't cross your mind but but the actions show us that whatever crossed your mind you decided to kind of continue on down this path and you sort of really doubled down on a lot of the stuff that you know, you 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 had understood coming into this that we talk about, but isn't really effective unless we do have that clarity and and direction. So, yeah, how how did you kind of build up that motivation and shift your mindset to kind of get back in the game and do all the work? Well, I mean, quite done? honestly, the reality is it was a necessity, right? You can't. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Right? I still have like bills to pay, and you know, I it, I didn't get loads and loads of opportunities. I'm like, oh, well, choose A, B, or C. I, I think the thing is, and, and I, you just ha- I just had to keep picking myself up and going forward because of the practicality of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't like I had you know, a slew of jobs that were just so mediocre and I could pick one. I mean, I did have a few false starts. I had, um, well, that's a whole other story I could tell you about that was kind of funny. But I think it, it, you know, the, the core of it at the end of this, of how I got through this is you have to have a mindset, uh, protect your mindset, and you have to invest in your mindset. There's this book, and I was going to say this as a resource. There's this book that I read. <laughs> it sounds rather dramatic, but it, it helped me. It's called Deep Survival. Okay. <laughs> and so Deep Survival is this story. It's a very, very good read. And it's like all these stories about these people who like harrowing situations, like they're stranded at sea for 60 days or they're, they've broken their leg and an avalanche came on the side of the mountain or they're you know, lost in the woods. And the guy talks about, you know, chances are that's probably not going to happen to you, but you're going to have some sort of, you know, life event that's going to be hard and you're going to have to just keep on going. And, you know, like Navy SEALs trained for this. It's like, you must preserve a positive mental attitude. You must, because when you don't, you make mistakes you get sloppy, you give up. And there are people who, the people who don't survive are the ones that just, they give up the spirit. They just give up. And so, you know, this book talks one about the stories of some of these people, which is so fascinating, but also kind of like boiling down, what are the criteria of the people who make it, who are survivors? And again, the positive mental attitude. And there's this thing about, you know, tap into your faith. And that faith may be your religious faith. It may be your philosophy. It may be your sports psychology. It may be just your mantra. And it's like, for me, it's like, I got up one more day and I kept saying to myself, this too shall pass. My father used to say that all the time, this too shall pass. And I think about, you know, like whatever it has to be, like every every winter is followed by a spring. Winter doesn't last forever. And so there's these things that I just would have to say to myself, to just keep going. And it was hard. It was hard, but it's just like one more day, one more day. I can do this. The other thing I will say that I'm a big follower, proponent of uh, Stoic philosophy. And one of the mm-hmm. things that they are at, a, you know, like the crux of it is really understanding what you can control and what you cannot control. Mm-hmm. And what you can control is your effort and your attitude and your mindset. You can't control so much more. You can't control if the recruiter calls you back. You can't re- control if you get the phone screen. You can't control if you w- win at the last round. And don't waste your energy and your resources on things you can't control. Mm-hmm. So I would always be mindful. Okay, what can I control? Okay, I can control trying to make one more networking meeting. Or I can control you know, some activity. Or even just like telling myself one more time, you're going to get through this. The other thing I wanted to say, and since you're a parent, I think you'll appreciate this. I have a daughter. My daughter is eight years old and she's, she uh, shares the same birthday as your son, which is kind of yeah, fun. Yeah, that's right. I remember we figured right, that right? out. And 
I am demonstrating to my daughter what it means to be persistent, to mm-hmm. get up and keep going. And, and, and when you fall off the horse, how you brush yourself off and get back on it. And so there is some of that to, to demonstrate for my daughter that you're going to have hard times too. And we talk about it, like there's going to be hard times and there's going to be times where it just feels like it's insurmountable, but you just got to keep going. And I I needed to do it for myself, but I knew that I was having somebody watch me very intently of like, I'm modeling for her perseverance and tenacity and grit and endurance and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, and I think that's relevant to people even without kids because it's, you know, if, if you're maybe young enough where you, you haven't had kids yet, I mean, I think of that and I, I, I think, you know, do I, do I want to be the person who, you know, tells my kids that things got hard and I just kind of settled and kind of decided not to pursue my dreams and, and just went with whatever was easiest. And mm-hmm. because like you said, that that's what you're teaching them. And, and these are stories that we're going to tell in the future. But even if, you know, somebody has no desire to have kids, I mean, proving it to yourself or to, you or know, to your, your family partner. or to your friends or to exactly. your partner. Exactly. Like, this is my character. This was a character mm-hmm. building exercise. And like, I am strong. And I would say to myself, I'm stronger than these circumstances. You know, like, you kind of have to get into that. But like, I'm, I'm better and stronger than these circumstances. And this too shall pass. But you, yeah. who, who are you? It's almost like this life opportunity to demonstrate who are you and what are yeah. you capable of? Yeah, you're voting for, for I, I think James Clear says this, but basically with your actions, you kind of, every action you take is kind of a vote for your identity. And so mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. you don't hear back from a networking email and, and you say, well, that didn't work. Well, now you're you're kind of casting a vote for being the person who uh, just kind of gives up after one no or one rejection. But if you follow mm-hmm. up and follow up again, now you're casting votes for being the type of person who only gives up after three no's or four no's. And mm-hmm. and I love that framing. I also love the point that you mentioned about the positivity. And I think uh, this is so uh, on my side, I I had always been like very kind of pragmatic and and almost to a fault where, you know, the positivity thing, I, I couldn't really get behind it. And then I met my wife and she is like the most positive person. And she would just like beat me over the head with, you know, exactly the, the type of stuff that we're talking about here, like viewing things in a certain way and, and trying to find the positive and stuff. And that totally changed my trajectory. She and I met shortly before I, I eventually made the jump to Microsoft. And what I, <laughs> what I, what she taught me and what I think, you know, is so true. And we try to teach, you know, every, everybody that we work with is that, that it sounds maybe corny or woo woo or whatever, but it, it truly does make a difference. I mean, to go back to that networking, you know, outcome, if, if you don't get a reply, if your mindset is negative and, and scarce and, you know, this, I'm bothering this person, they, I'm not good enough to talk to them. They, they, you know, they didn't want anything to do with me. Then that's going to be true. You're never going to reach back out to them. You're never going to know what could have been when, you know, on the other side, if you're like, well, maybe this person was busy or maybe they had a family emergency or maybe they're on vacation <laughs> or maybe any of these other things. So let me reach back out one more time. You're just giving yourself more opportunity when you find the positives in things. And to your point, when you focus on what you control. So mm-hmm. I love all that. I think one thing I want to dial into, and it's okay if you don't have, you know, specific items or tactics or strategies for this, but you kind of mentioned a couple of things. You mentioned the mantra, you mentioned the stoic philosophy. Do you mm-hmm. have, did you have like a, a little bit of a routine or did you have, like, can you flesh out some of these tactics? Do you have some resources around the things that you did on maybe a daily or a weekly basis to, you know, as you put it, to kind of protect your mindset and and to kind of keep it in that positive space, even when things weren't going so well? Like, what are some of the tactical, actionable things that you did? Sure. Yeah. I, um, I mean, when you don't have a job, your job is to find a job. <laughs> and But I balance that though with reasonableness, right? I, I I heard people that like spend 18 hours a day looking for a job and that's insane. You know, I, I get up, I do what I can do, but you know, applying for jobs blind, like you, you have that stat, right? 2%. I would say it's even less than that. And I was just like, okay, sure. I'll just send this in. But I just knew that there was a very, very slim, slim chance of that. So I didn't spend so much time on that. It was really about building my network. And I was as, as this progressed, right, you, we talked about the beginnings part of it. But when I said, okay, I'm going to double down on networking, I really added structure to that and focus on that and goals around that. But the thing I would say, one thing that is really important, again, again, about protecting your mindset, find your mantra, find your, again, if it's sports psychology, if it's whatever. The other thing too is 
LinkedIn's a tricky spot, right? Because that's the watering hole for all job seeking activities. And you can't ignore it. I get it, right? But you have to be really mindful of what you're reading on the feed. Because on one hand, you see people, hey, I got a new job, which is depressing as hell, because you're like, I'm still employed. And then you also see people and there's a lot of that right now of people who are just like, they got nothing good to say, they're frustrated, they're venting, they are blaming the system or blaming the people in the system. And again, getting back to what you can control, blaming the system, blaming the people in the system, blaming the out, you, you know, these random outcomes, that's not going to accelerate your process. Don't, mm-hmm. don't blame the process, invest in your activities and what you can do to, you know, that's not going to, um, blaming the process isn't going to accelerate your, your, your end results. So, so, you know, you got to go on there and maybe you look at a job or maybe you do, do some research, but don't just drone on and on with the feed because it can really mess with your head, whether it's yeah. you feel like you're the last unemployed person out there because everyone's getting a job or you get sucked into the, you know, the, the frustration and that's a downward spiral of negativity. That's not going to serve you well, you know? So, so that's that. And to counter that again, protect your mindset. I met through this networking, we could talk more about how that all unfolded, but surround yourself with people who will believe in you, who will be speak positivity to you. you. You really need, and I think this applies even after the job search is over. You need to wall yourself off to negativity. There are people that just, they need to rant and that's, you have no business with them. They're not going to, they're not going to do anything for you. So surround yourself with people who are just positivity um, encouragement, understanding other people that are in the walking the same journey. And, you know, the conference calls that we had with cultivated culture once a month. And I think I sent that note to you in the feedback. Oh my gosh. It was, it was like, it was like support group, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, we're all, we're all like, you know, we're all in the dumps about it. It was like sharing ideas. And I met so many people to walk, to find people who are walking that same path that you can both understand and empathize because maybe your spouse or your parents or your friends are fully employed and they just are like they can empathize a little bit but they don't know or right they're not in it right now yeah to have other people who are walking that path is important because it makes you realize you're not alone they can lift you up when you need it you can then in turn lift them up when they need it and i live that out on a daily basis yeah no, 100%. I, I love all those points. And I, I think especially the LinkedIn one is interesting. It resonates with me as well, just because, you know, I think people might look at me and and say, well, you know, Austin's, the achievements he has made on LinkedIn, you know, what, what would he have to worry about? But with the way social media works, you know, I'll, I'd open up my feed and I would see this post from somebody else that was, you know, similar to what I wrote doing far better than mine, or maybe I was having a down month with content and this other person's was blowing up and, you know, they had just started or this, that, or the other thing. And it's all these like crazy things that would just eat away mm-hmm. at my mindset, as you put it. And so I, I completely stopped engaging with the feed. And frankly, I think that's the key. I think if you just remove the feed from your, your process and your, your, you know, your, your view, that's mm-hmm. really where all this stuff happens. And so if you can have intentionality, you know, I'm going to go look for jobs. So I bookmark the jobs tab and I, I avoid mm-hmm. the feed or I'm going to go network with people and I have a specific way of finding them and reaching out to them and engaging with them. Like, but I'm avoiding the feed. That's such a, a, mm-hmm. a great approach because it is hard. You see the success stories and that's frustrating. And then you see the venting and it's so tempting to kind of lean into that. But to your point earlier, mm-hmm. that is energy that's going somewhere that's not moving, moving the needle and moving the search forward. So I appreciate you mentioning all that, especially because I know we've had a bunch of other people kind of bring up that, that frustration as well of, of having those feelings when seeing the feed. So, um, but I definitely Mm -hmm. do want to talk about the networking side of things. So we, you decided to kind of get back on the horse, double Mm -hmm. down on everything. And you mentioned specifically that networking kind of changed the game here. So walk me through maybe, you know, your initial mindset around networking, how you approach it differently the second time, and then maybe yeah. a couple of specific strategies that worked really well. Sure, sure. Yeah, I have a lot to say about this because I <laughs> think cool. this is it. So, and I'm not, I mean, I appreciate that when people hear the word networking and they get a little unnerved, if they're not comfortable with it, and I come from a sales background, so it doesn't unnerve me. First off, I think if you can have some structure going into networking, it relieves you so much. And so I was going to recommend, there's this book that I someone recommended to me called The 20-Minute Networking Meeting. And I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever heard of it. It's called um, 
Pere- uh, it's the authors are Perez and Ballinger, and it's okay. uh, an easy read, very easy read. And it's two um, longtime executive recruiters who kind of map out a structure to networking. And it's an easy read. I think I read it in a day and I, and I picked it up and it made a lot of sense. And so I approached all of my networking meetings with this structure, which gave me this alleviation of like, well, what am I going to say? Well, what am I going to do? Yeah. And so the whole idea is like, you have a couple questions to ask that really tie in um, someone else's experience and then how it you know maps back to you. But you're approaching it obviously with humility, like I'm here to learn or whatever. So there's a total of like five questions. The last two questions, which I think are just really, really important. And it makes this whole thing work is number. The fourth question is, who else do you know um, that I could network with? Who else could I talk with? Because the whole goal here is to keep expanding the web, keep expanding the web. And then this, the last one is, what can I do to help you? And I think so many people don't think about that. And I use that all the time. And people are like taken aback. Like, <laughs> oh, I hadn't even thought about that. And I and I mean it genuinely. I really want to help them. And it's like question, it's like maybe they can't think of it, but I say, consider this as an outstanding offer. If not today, in the future, whenever. And it's like if it's you need an introduction, I say this is like if you need an introduction, if you need to bounce an idea off somebody, if you need a recipe for chocolate chip cookies, whatever, <laughs> I could be your gal. So it's I like it. I could be of service to you, however. So that is kind of like the way I approach my structure. 20 minutes, sometimes it bleeds into 30 minutes, but I mean, so much has opened up from it. The cultivated culture, um, what do you call it? The monthly calls, gold mine, because all these people know people. Like, and so I met so many people through that, and they introduced me to people. Those people, again, second removed, served as an employee reference for jobs I applied to. And there are people that I met through cult- the, the, that, that I are, they're friends. Like, mm-hmm. I'm planning to go down to San Diego and meet them in person. So like, cool. I love it. Like, it's like, it, it really, it really culminated in like, it was a professional contact that turned into friendship. You know, mm-hmm. the thing I would say is that you have to be mindful of, and again, it kind of comes down to numbers, eight and a half out of 10 people just don't get networking. They don't get it. They uh, don't understand it. They're suspect of it. They feel uncomfortable about it. So when you're doing, whether it's blind outreach, or maybe it's even through some sort of referral, and you don't hear from people... One, I think you should keep trying, like you said, but also understand like this is not their thing and that's okay. But that one and a half pers- other person, right? The, the nine or n- nine out of 10 or 10 out of 10, they are game. They are game because one, they understand they've been laid off before. They have a spirit of helping. They understand the power of networking. Those will be your people. And that from there, you can amplify a network from there. So you just kind of have to go in knowing like, most people probably are just, it's, it, it may not be their thing and that's okay. Get to your, you know, one and a half people that out of this 10, that they are just as invested in networking as you. And so many dividends can come from that. Yeah. I, I, it's such an important point because I think that people have the misconception that we hear about referrals all the time, you know, being the way that you get hired and, and you got to network and all that. And I think people build this narrative in their head that networking is just this kind of high percentage game if you if you mm-hmm. unlock the secrets of of playing the game. And mm-hmm. really, that's not true. It's it's almost like baseball, where the, the very best hitters in the league any given year are batting, you know, a little above 300, mm-hmm. right? They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, not getting a hit, they're not getting on base, you know, 65, 70% of the time. But when they do, you know, that's where the magic happens. And so I think that's such an important expectation to set going into networking, because you can do all the right things, you can show up the right way. And still, more people are going to be uncomfortable, more people are going to say no, more people are going to ignore you than not. But Mm -hmm. when you get that, yes, you really only need one advocate, two advocates, like a couple of people to really buy into it to make the difference. And um, I love hearing about the VIP calls just because yeah. I encourage everybody on those calls to connect with one another. And and you have taken so much advantage of it. There are a couple of other people who have been good about it. But overall, I feel like so many people just show up, they ask their question and they leave. And it's like, here's yeah, a whole it's a, pool it's a missed of people opportunity. Yeah, that, that you already have a connection with. So I, mm-hmm. I love that you took advantage of that too. But go ahead, you're going to say something. Oh, if I may, I want to share two stories yeah, that have network networking crazy success. So uh, one is, um, and, and this is kind of getting back to the LinkedIn feed. So I kind of have a caveat or, uh, you know, an exception. If you can mentally say, okay, if it's 
super positive. I got this job and it's the best job and I'm getting $100,000 more a year. Okay, okay, whatever. And these people are ranting, okay, whatever. However, there is these little nuggets in the feed. And so I'll use this example. So I was studying for the PMP where I was ready to get started with the PMP. And I saw that my former colleague liked a post of this woman who had just passed and she was great energy. And she says, for all those who are, have asked me, this is how I, I, I did this. And I was like, so I reached out to her and I said, oh, you know, I know you're connected with my colleague and I would love to talk with you. Well, we ended up having a conversation um, for an hour and she did nothing but encourage me and gave me all these resources, resources that I think that if I hadn't had, I wouldn't have passed. So we talked for an hour and like we actually are from the same state. So we connected. I then go back to my person who had liked that. And I said, oh, I connected with Ariel. And she goes, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> so I essentially just tacked on to a comment. And there are people that are open to that. So we've stayed in touch. And then she, you know, because it, you you want to pay it back, she actually has been so successful in coaching people on this PMP prep that she's starting this coaching practice. And then she asked for my feedback. And I'm talking to her next week about awesome. giving her feedback and like, and so it's like this thing that just this snowballs in a positive way. So it was amazing. So just commenting, and I and I've met people and had networking calls with people. I just commented on their, you know, post. Mm-hmm. And again, they're up for it. Some people are not up for it. They were up for it. This other person and um, somebody who I had reached out to again blind because they had a really good post. She had suggested if you find that you're applying for a job and that you find somebody in your network that works for that company. And it could be either like an alumni. You don't know this person, but they you went to the university. Just call, contact, them, contact them and say, hey, I'm applying for this job. Can you give some advice about how best to position myself with your company? And so it's not asking for a referral. It's not asking for, you know, do me a favor. I know you don't know me, but people appreciate being the source of help. So mm-hmm. I thought that was brilliant. And so I did that. There was this company that I was kind of had my eye on. I saw this guy that was... Um, in my network that went to my the university I got my MBA at, I you know do my little connection, my LinkedIn, and uh, always when you're making a LinkedIn connection, please please say why you want to connect. Don't just do the standard I want to connect. That's like such a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> so we connect. We find out that we were at the university at the same time. We totally hit it off. He goes, let me know if there's ever a job comes up. A job pops up. He puts me in as an employee referral, went so far as to reach out to HR. And Mm -hmm. HR then told the hiring manager that this person who is well thought of at the company is advocating for me. And this is all because I just randomly did. I tried. And yeah, it would have been unnerving. Like, I don't know this person. And you can talk yourself out of doing stuff, but sometimes it really pays off. So just, you know, control your fear, feel uncomfortable and just do it. And sometimes it really works out well. I, both of those stories are are awesome. I feel like li- commenting on LinkedIn, engaging on LinkedIn, in my experience, it's one of the biggest, best bang for your buck strategies out there. But it's also yeah. one that the fewest people, a like, number of people do. Like we always recommend it when, when we're doing the LinkedIn profile optimization. We have like a whole little section at the end of that session walking people through the strategy. And I would say like 90% of people just kind of say, that sounds great. I totally get it. And then they they never go out and do it. But yeah. there's so much to be gained from that. And I think the other thing I'm taking away from what you said is, is, there's no opportunity that's that's kind of too small. Like if you see right. an angle, just go for it and see what happens. Yeah. And by casting a wide net, you start to dial into, okay, if I can find people who, you know, are alumni of the same university and I can pair that up with another angle, that tends to be a powerful strategy. So you start mm-hmm. making these connections that allow you to optimize so that when you move forward, it's like, hey, I know this is working for me. Let me find more people that I can leverage the strategy with, or let me just leverage the strategy more in general. And then you start to see more and more success. So I, I love the fact that you didn't just share strategies, but you kind of shared the stories that that mm-hmm. you know woven in the strategies, which is which is awesome. So the networking piece, obviously so key to getting in the in the door. And you know, eventually you kind of go through the process and you land this job. But I think the most impressive thing to me is that. We talked about it all, right? We talked about, you know, coming close to running out of unemployment. We talked about having no, I, to I of... ran out. I ran okay, out. Okay. <laughs> so just completely yeah. going over the line and running out. <laughs> sure. Resetting, you know, after yeah. kind of like getting started in, in, in earnest, you get all the way to the end, you get this job offer 
And then you still decide to negotiate, which obviously we always recommend doing that. And it's hard because you've you've done it, right? You've gotten the offer, this elusive thing that we've been dreaming about and working towards forever. It's, It's kind of in your inbox or in your hands. And then to go back and say, I think I actually deserve a little bit more when that's the situation is not easy, but in our experience, it's very worthwhile. And yeah. you know, in your experience, it was it was worthwhile too. But tell me about the negotiation process. Tell me first how you decided that it was worth going back and asking for more. And then tell me how you went about it. How did you position okay. that? I will answer that question. But before I answer that question, I want to tell you and actually those listening another thing that played into this that's really important. And it has okay. everything to do with what you teach. So I... I went for this one job and it was like a senior role at this company that I'm going to go work for. And I ended up being the final three, but I didn't get the job. Mm. And I was like, oh, and it was like, perfect. Like I hit 90%. I had an employee referral. I was just like, I don't get it. And after that, I was like, I don't know how to get a job. And I don't know how to get a job. <laughs> anyway, I was a big girl and I did what you said. And I went back graciously saying, thank you. And I really meant it. I said, I'm glad that you found your right person. If there's anything else that pops up, I really was excited about this interview process. Please let me know. And you say that and you're thinking, I'm never going to hear these people again. Well, two weeks later, the person who was in the interview, who I actually was not the hiring manager, it was just another person kind of supporting the interview process. He said he was so impressed with my interview for that job. He essentially wanted to pick, pick me for this other job. And so it ended up becoming like a pocket, what do you like, not pocket listing, but a pocket referral where... Yeah. They just had this me in mind for this job. That's how I got the job. They only posted the job on LinkedIn just for like legal reasons for like 24 hours. But it was all because when I performed well in the interview, I prepared like you tell me to prepare. But also I was like, I'm going to be the big girl and mature and professional. And I'm going to go back and say, you know, thank you so much. And genuinely, I want, you know, get your right person. And that worked out for me. So I highly recommend that if that ever situation comes up. Yeah. So fast just, forward. Just to ahead, jump sure. in real, real, real yeah. quick. That, that's exactly how I got my job at Microsoft too, which is where the story, like the the strategy comes from. I got beat out by an internal hire for the first role and I just emailed mm-hmm. everybody and asked if we could stay in touch and then eventually, you know, got hired into the role that I got hired into. But I, I think so many, to just emphasize everything you said, so many job seekers, I mean, networking is so hard. You finally get this interview process where you're spending what you've wanted 30 minutes 60 minutes with people yeah. at this company and then to to tie in the the positive mindset piece that you mentioned before so many people leave and when they get rejected they say well this company doesn't want anything to do with me or I would have gotten the job and they just never communicate with anybody there again and you're just throwing out so much social capital that yes. you've built up in these interviews and you also just don't know how these people are viewing you. You could have been, you know, a, a, a super, super close second. And it was like one tiny thing that the other person yeah. had. And so by coming back to the table, you just keep those doors open. And if nothing comes of it, what does it cost you? You know, a couple right. minutes of your time and yes, you know, swallowing your pride a little bit. But I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to since sharing that story who have said the same thing you said, yeah. where they actually, they go do it, which isn't always easy, but then that's how they ended up eventually landing the job. So yes, I'm, I'm really yes. grateful that you decided to jump back and share that. Yes. Um, yes, but yes, yes. On to- so, okay. So to the negotiation. So, so again, that I needed a little setup for this story. So I first applied for this more senior role. And I, again, like, I think I hit like 90% of the requirements, but I didn't have like the industry experience. Okay. So I, I get it. Like, and it's a tight market. Well, this other role comes up. It's like just a standard, right? It's not senior. And so, but I had gotten my PMP. I have an MBA. And where my sweet spot probably would have been is right in between these two roles. But so when I see the job description for this job that I went for, it, it required like two plus years experience. And I knew I wanted to do this job because this is a job getting back to the beginning of the conversation. This is doing project management for like product go to market. And I'm interested in product. I don't know if I want to be a product manager, but I want to be in and around that space. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, this is this nails it. This is exactly what I want to do. But I'm technically kind of overqualified for this job. And so what they um the the pay for it was still within my range, was still within my range. But I knew that I had an MBA, I had a PMP, and I also knew that they had they had more room to grow. And so I had my data. I had my data because I had the, the the bracket for the senior role. I had the bracket for this other role. 
because they had what they had quoted me was like a couple two or three thousand less than what they published as the higher bracket. So I knew they had room. So I said, you know what, I'm going to go above that bracket just a little bit, and let's. Well, they'll probably settle on their upper bracket. And I was very gracious, and I said, what kind of how I learned it is like, you know, thank you for this offer. Super excited, like be very gracious. I love these parts about the offer. Like I love the PTO. And like, so you want to just reiterate some things that you're super excited about. And I said, there's this one thing I was wondering if you could help me with. And I said, because, and justify it, right? Because I have this PMP, you know, the job description requires two plus years. I have eight plus years. I have an MBA. These are things I will be bringing to the role. Is there room to move to this number? And I was thinking, as I said, I was thinking there was like, I mean, there was a part of me that's like, are they going to rescind the offer? Because you hear these crazy <laughs> stories. And I'm like, I need this job. I want this job, but I need this job. But I'm like, no, like it, at a principle. And right. I knew it in my gut. I knew it. And I was thinking again, they were going to come back to the upper bracket of this role. Well, they gave me what I wanted. They gave me what I wanted. And I was like, wow, wow. <laughs> so net, net, like I told you earlier, you know, with the salary plus the bonus in my last job, I didn't have a bonus. It will net to a 25% increase from my last role. So, you know, I I know, again, these are things I think through this whole process, there are these things that can make you feel uncomfortable. You kind of have to lean into it. You're like, I don't know, but just do it (laughs) and you may win. You may win. And then you are building this muscle of, I can do this. I can do this. And then the next time it's not so hard. You know, that first, the hardest, scariest email is that first email. It's almost like discomfort is like a guide. Like the Mm -hmm. more sort of uncomfortable something is typically like the the more <laughs> beneficial it's going to be for you. Yeah. To do. Um, and right. that's not just the job search, that's life, right? Like all the things yeah. that we know in our heart we, or kind of feel that we want to do. And then, you know, we don't do them because we're uncomfortable. That's typically, you know, the path of growth. And so, yeah. you know, to, to go down that path is, you know, you end up in situations like this. So it's so awesome yeah. to see that, that you went for it. I love the way that you kind of phrase and, and position the, the ask. Because that that's that's the biggest thing is if you can just give them the business case, you make it justifiable, you're very gracious, like you said. You know, I, I think the two stats that um that stuck out to stuck out to me, I think the most recent one I saw was that 84% of employers expect candidates to negotiate. Mm-hmm. So right mm-hmm. off, off the bat, like this conversation is almost expected by the company mm-hmm. and they're coming in with numbers with that in their head. Um, but then I, I ran this survey. I don't remember the exact numbers now because it was a couple of years ago, but I did it in partnership with LinkedIn. And we basically found that an overwhelming majority, like some crazy number close to like 80 or 90 percent of people who negotiated got more than what they initially asked for. And so even if it isn't what you, you know, put out there and say, hey, you know, you gave me this and I want X. Um, it's it, it, 80 to 90 percent of people are getting more than the initial offer. And so you really right, don't right. have much to lose. And I I personally have not heard of any story where well, um, there are obviously stories where there are weird circumstances and people sure. handle things very poorly and, and that offer was revoked. When you handle it the way that you handled it, I've not come across one single instance of an offer being revoked. Instead, the worst case scenario is just the word no. Like, sorry, right. we can't do that. And then you you make your decision. So Right. Yeah. And what, what have I said to you in my email? You don't ask, you don't get. And exactly. that is a mantra of my life, a mantra of my life. That was the last line in your email. And then the next email was, I got it. And yes. the the extra increase. It was so cool. Yes. Yes. Um, so I wanted to just say one other thing to you, again, getting back to the networking. And this kind of ties, this is probably a nice way to end it is, um, so I busted my butt building this network. And I have made great connections. I've made great friends. And it, okay, so you know, I'm starting this job next week. I could just shut it down. Shut down LinkedIn. See you next time when I need a new job. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, oh my God, I cannot let all this go dormant. Mm-hmm. And so per your advice, you know, I have my list of the Dream 50 and I broke it out for recruiters and then, you know, other people. And so maybe you can say here a little bit of like, what's your advice of how do you keep the fire stoked? Yeah. And how do you keep it going? And I mean, y- yeah, it's like, I, you know, oh, it's your birthday or whatever. But it's like, I, I feel so passionate about like, I want to keep this machine going, keep it growing, keep it growing, and then also give back. Um, so I think it's an important thing because this is an exhausting run. I'm exhausted. I'm mm-hmm. exhausted. And you just want to shut it down and be like, I'm done with that. But you're going to let so much go to waste. And so maybe you could talk a little bit about like, what's your advice of like, how do you keep 
you know, keep the flame going to make sure that kind of continues to pay dividends over the long term. Yeah, I think the biggest, uh, the overarching kind of foundational piece of advice there is is not, not like obviously to keep it going. That that's the number one thing, but to set the right expectations because I think people want to shut it down because they don't want to keep operating at the same clip that they've been moving at, which is <laughs> so valid. But you don't have to do that. You can <laughs> you can do a kind of a light version of what you've been doing. And so I always have people kind of map it out. Where if you have your your dream fifty. You know, you're basically if you if you touch base with one person every day, you're basically hitting people once every two months, which is actually a really nice networking cadence. Uh, I think some people have the this kind of misconception that a great relationship, you're going back and forth every week, kind of like they're your now your best friend. And mm-hmm. that's not really how professional relationships work. It's sort of checking in here and there. And I found that the very best relationships that I have outside of a few people who have become very close friends are folks that I check in with once a month, once every two months. And so I love that clip. And then with that, if you have your spreadsheet, that basically just means that you need to figure it out for one person, you know, every weekday or something, whatever it mm-hmm. is. And so with that, you know, specific strategies, I always, when you, when you're wrapping up this search, you know, I'll have a notes column in there and I'll go through each person and I'll just jot down everything I can remember from the last conversation we had and, and what I learned about them. And then you can bring that with you going forward. So it could be that they were hiring for this type of role. Well, did you you check in? Hey, did you hire the right person? You know, maybe I can refer mm-hmm. somebody in. Um, you can always look up the company in the news and see if there's there's any bit of news that's come out. Um, you could look up your their careers page and see are they hiring for for a role and mm-hmm. can you refer somebody? Or if there was something you know fun that you talked about, I feel like some of the great networking conversations are more personal, like the chocolate chip sure. cookie recipe. Like, hey, did you try it out? Right? Sure, sure. And so, yeah. There are all these different ways of, of going about it, but I think just just honestly checking in, you you can even just email somebody and say, hey, it's been a couple of months and I was, you know, I've, I've been loving this new job and I was just thinking about you because I'm so grateful to be here and I honestly wouldn't have been here without your help. And that can work yeah. for anybody, even if they didn't directly refer you, even if they weren't part of the process, like you can tell them like the things I learned from our conversation I brought with me and that led me here. And so, yeah. you know, I was just thinking about you while I was on a walk today or eating lunch today. And sure. I just wanted to send you an email and let you know that and also just check in and see how you're doing. There is not a single person on the face of this planet who would Mm. not enjoy getting that email, right? Exactly, exactly. That's my kind of go-to boilerplate like setup, but then you can also layer everything else on top of it. So the key is what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, and I I encourage whoever's listening, don't let that die on the vine. You work so hard. Mm -hmm. If you do the networking, you work so hard. And then maybe in your career, depending on where you are in your career, you could be back here again, having to find a new job don't start from scratch. So I'm taking that to heart and I just, and I enjoy it. So. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Christina, thank you so much for my pleasure. Time. My pleasure. Yeah. And, and I mean, the, the energy is like infectious. I'm, I'm good, excited good, good. now and I feel like people are going to get so much out of this. So I'm super grateful that you were willing to sit down and chat through your whole journey. Huge congratulations again on the offer. Thank you. And we're looking forward to hearing how it all goes and, and where you end up going from here. Yep. And I'll be in touch with you in Forest and kind of let you know. And um, yeah, I'm game for networking. I love to kind of expand the network. So we'll see how that goes anyway. Awesome. I love it. All right. Well, thing. thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much again. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.